I, I love talking about God's grace because it's, it's that which the world will never talk about. You see, God's grace is something that is, is freely given from Him and it's given to us, people. And when He gives us His grace, it's with the understanding that it's not something we really deserve or else it wouldn't be called grace. God's favor. Well, this morning as we continue in our series, The Heart of God, that's what we're going to look at, God's amazing grace. And so you can take out your bulletin and there's some notes in there that will help you along. And if you're new this morning, uh, that will help you to keep on track with us as we talk about God's amazing grace. When I was in high school, I had this uh, one teacher, his name was Mr. Lee, and he was my English teacher. Now, my English class, that setting and that subject was not my favorite subject. Sorry, English teachers, but just it just wasn't my forte. It wasn't my, my gifting or whatever it is. I just could not understand it. And so I had a difficult time with English. And then we went through a season in that class called speech, where we'd have to learn speech and how to put together uh, your speeches and, and things like that. And it was, to me, it was like the hardest thing in the world. And so when I would be given my assignment, I would flip that over and draw because I love art. So I'll just draw and things. And, and when there was poems that we had to write, I would draw out the poem scene rather than the actual poem. And so that was my English class to its best. The problem with that was when I, when I got graded, I failed. And I wasn't doing well. In fact, I failed my 11th grade year. And I didn't even know it when I came into my 12th grade year. So here I am, a senior in high school, thinking I am. And I was actually a junior. It was mid-semester that I found out I was a senior. They called me in the office and they said, Congratulations, Sheldon, you are now a senior. I said, I always thought I was a senior. They said, No, you are a half credit short. And so I, I was on my journey to graduate, but I wasn't passing English class. It was senior makeup day where you can, you know, turn in all your assignments or you would have different essays to do and it would be like the last chance for you to pass. And so I, I, I put together this essay and, and my teacher, Mr. Lee, he said, you have to get an A or you will not be able to graduate. He said, you might as well fail me now because I'm not going to get an A. He said, you see, that's your problem. You never try. You always think you're not able to. But then he said this, but you can. I know you can. And I said, but it's so hard. I don't understand it. He said, just try. Just give it all you got. And so I did. I did my essay, turned it in before the 4 o'clock deadline. It probably was about 3.58 in the afternoon before he closed his doors. And I ran into his office, and I remember I was there with my, um, my, my friend, and, and I, I put it on his desk, and I said, Okay, Mr. Lee, that's my essay. So he, he looked at it, and he said, It's pretty good, because the cover I drew. And he said, Very, Pretty good. And then he opened it up, and he read, and he looked through the different things, and saw my thesis statement, and then he read, and he flipped through, and he read, flipped to the back with the bibliography and all those things, and then he closed it, put it down, and he put A+. Plus. And I said, Mr. Lee, you're not joking. Are you just playing around with me. Are you, are you serious? And he sat there, and I remember his smile, and he said, serious. And I said, Mr. Lee, why? I mean, I, I, I'm glad that I get to pass, but I don't ever think I'm going to use speech any time in my life. <laughs> so, so for you students and you teachers, 
Teachers, you know what you're talking about when you see potential in kids, don't you? Because sometimes kids will say, but I don't, I don't, what am I going to use that for? And I thought, my teacher, Mr. Lee, did not give me a grade to pass. He gave me grace to pass. You see, grace is something, something given that I don't deserve. In fact, that's God's grace for us. That God's grace is given, it's what He gives when we don't deserve. His mercy is what He doesn't give, what we do deserve. But His grace, we just can't earn. And that's what we want to look at today is God's amazing grace and how we can apply that into our lives. Because there was one person that has found God's grace early in the Bible. And his name is Noah. Some of us know him as Noah and the ark. You know, he built this ark because God said he was going to flood the earth. Because mankind was constantly thinking of only evil things. God created the heavens and the earth, the universe. He created the seas. He created everything. He created man. Man multiplied the earth and, and filled the land. But man chose to rebel against God. And so God God sees this one man, Noah. And he tells Noah that he's going to, he's going to destroy the earth. He's going to remake it. He's going to make it brand new again. But Noah, as the Bible says, and in your notes, Genesis 6-8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it continues on. It says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Isn't that true that sometimes we are distant from God? But once we understand God's amazing grace, it's like we walk in close fellowship with God because we understand His grace. But I thought, okay, righteous? This guy was righteous? Noah was righteous? Blameless? You mean this guy was perfect? And that's why you gave him grace? No, no, that's not what the Bible is saying. God gave him favor that he did not deserve because Noah wasn't the most righteous person. Later on, you read, he had some flaws. He got drunk one night and and he did some things that he shouldn't have done. And, and, And I thought, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for a heart that searches for him. And Noah was that person. He found God's grace. Now, how do we live in God's grace without becoming people who just use it as a license to continue on in whatever we want to do? Because God has grace for me. So I'm just going to do whatever I'm going to do because God has grace for me. Well, we can become people who live under God's grace by learning about His grace. And then what do I do with it once I receive His grace? What do I do? I mean, why is it important for us to understand God's amazing grace? Why is it important for me to to receive God's grace? Why can't I just live my life believing in God? Why can't I do that? Well, many of us, we live in that kind of way, but so many of us are even further from that, and we have never accepted God's grace. Some of us, we will believe in the things of God, but we have never accepted His grace for us. If you are taking notes, here's some things we can learn from Noah and his life to accept God's grace. Because if we never accept God's grace, then really we're living this earth just by chance and and really by searing our conscience when we have a guilty conscience. We make excuses or we justify rather than saying, God, I 
I need your grace because I'm continuously doing the same things over and over that is against you. See, when we accept God's grace, it's, it's with the understanding that it's freely given. It's not earned at all. As the Bible puts it in Hebrews 12.15, it says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Did you know that when you miss the grace of God, that we become corruptive people? That we'll start to become uh, people who just look for corruption or we cause corruption because we don't understand God's grace. We fail to miss the grace of God. It's like God has, He has unclaimed grace, unlimited, unclaimed grace for all of us. How few of us actually claim that grace from God? Did you know right now in the United States, there is over $30 billion of unclaimed hold cold cash. Cash. $30 billion. You can go to a website, punch in your name, and then you'll see if you have unclaimed cash. Like uh, if you had a cashier's check you never cashed, or a, a, a rent deposit of some sort, or maybe a bank account you used to have and you, you forgot about. You can claim your money. Now, I already looked online. I have none. Heidi, we have none. But that's okay. But I checked. I'm sure you will check afterwards. I forget the name, but you'll probably search it. But there's that. I don't know the website's name. I don't know. You got to go check it out. It's something, something, dot, something. So if you can figure it out, there's a W there too. But I thought, and, and they had this thing on TV, uh, ABC News did this uh, special where they had people come to their booth and they would punch in their name. And some people had zero, some people had some, but there were a couple people who had much that they wouldn't even disclose how much on the website. They said you would just have to come in and, and, and send in your name and, and some files or some information about yourself so that it's accurate. And some people have received money. That's their, it's, it's theirs to claim. How many of us don't go to God for His amazing grace when it's already ours? He gives that to us. Now, we'll check on the website, and even though it's zero, we'll say, okay, at least I tried. When it comes to God's amazing grace, at least try. At least go to God and say, okay, I, I, I don't know where else to turn. I'm at the end of the ropes of my life, and I'm turning to you. God will always reach out His hand, and, and all He asks for us to do is just take a hold of it. See, it's our responsibility to accept His grace. It's, that's what Noah did. Noah received his grace, built the ark, and survived one of this world's worst floods in the history of mankind. He survived it. But not just him, his entire family. Now, where can we find God's grace? Is God's grace in the Bible? Is God's grace when we come to church? Is God's grace when we pray and we call out to Him? Well, where is God's grace found? Is it just somewhere out there and we just pray and say, God, I need your grace, and then that's it? Where is God's grace? Well, look at what the Bible says, Romans 3, 23 and 24. And, I, and, and this is true, it's accurate. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. 
Let's read this part together. Ready? Go. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Yeah, where is grace found? In Christ Jesus. That's where God's grace is given. While we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross. That means even at our very worst, God gave us grace on the cross. Instead of us trying to pay the penalty ourselves because we deserve it, we're the ones who sin. It wasn't Jesus. But because God's love for us and His grace, Jesus paid it all in full. He says, your past is gone. You have all things that are brand new. It was paid for at the cross. John 1.17 says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's His amazing grace. Now, why does God want to give us His grace? Is it just so that we feel like, oh, we feel better or not guilty? Or, or does He give us His grace so that, so that we can have a better day? Does He give us His grace just so that we can obtain favor from God? Why does He give us grace? What's the purpose of us having His grace and accepting it? You see, if we don't know the reason why He gives us grace, then we won't find a reason to live with it. We'll just think, okay, God, you gave me grace. You forgave me for my sins. I'll be with you in heaven for all of eternity. Thank you. But that's not the case. He says, there's so much more to my grace than what you realize. See, God gives us grace because He created us to be just like Him. That He created us in His image. That when people see us and are around us, they should experience what we feel when we're around God. That's what people should experience. God gives us grace. And number two, you can write this. He gives us grace so that we can give grace to others. That's why He gives us grace. Because not one person has sinned, or 10 million, or a couple people. All have sinned. Every single one of us. We all fall fall short of God's glorious standard. So the grace that God has given to me, I am to take that and give out to others. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.29 that no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification or encouragement or building someone up, that it may impart grace to the hearer. I love that because it's, it's kind of like when God gives me grace and how He treats me, He's saying that's how you're supposed to treat everyone else. I think of it this way. To live in such a way that the winds of grace proceed out of my life, blowing just enough so that if someone's life has plateaued or become stagnant or still, that they may be able to set sail just by being in my presence. That when God gives us grace, we're to live our lives in such a way that it's like grace is blowing out of our lives That if anyone were to be in our presence, all they have to do is just set sail and they'll be encouraged to live the life that God planned for them. God gives us grace so that we give it away, not so that we keep it and hoard it for ourselves. It's not why He created us. That's not how He created us. That's why even with our spouses, our children, our family, that's where God says, this is where you give grace to others. Isn't it amazing that I'll give other people better grace than I do my own family? Like, I'll treat people nicer than I do my own spouse. I'll treat other people's children nicer than I do my very own. I'll treat strangers better than people I know. How are we treating other people? How are we treating the waiter, the waitress? 
How are we treating people when we drive? How are we treating people at customer service desks? How do we treat people over the phone when we're trying to deal with something? See, God gives us grace so that we can impart it to others. Because His grace is endless. It doesn't run out. Here at church, how do we treat people? How do we treat one another as volunteers or those that serve? How do we treat people that serve us in the parking lot or or, uh, in the nursery or or those that are, are taking care of our children right now? How do we treat them? How do we treat the people who, who serve us breakfast? When they give us breakfast, we'll look at the plate and say, That's it? Only two Portuguese sausage. Oh, come on, I like, buy, I like buy five more. I mean, it's fine, but how do we treat people? Because we're going to be people who, when God gives us grace, it doesn't end there. God is saying, it's not just for you. I have an endless amount of grace that you're to give away. Let me ask you this. When you were a child, or, or even your children... When you want to ask mom or dad for permission for something, who do you usually go to? Yeah, see, everybody has somebody different. Some said mom, some said dad. When you get hurt and you're, you know, all bruised up, who do you go crying to, mom or dad? Mama, some says dad, mama. <laughs> she becomes mama at that point. Yeah, when, when we, when, you know who we go to in different situations? We go to the person who will give us the most grace. That's the person we go to. It's kind of like when you were kids or even your children. I asked one person, this friend of mine, I said, when you were growing up, who did you ask for permission when you wanted your friends to sleep over, mom or dad? And she said, neither. I didn't ask any of them. I asked my friend to ask my mom and dad. <laughs> and I thought, that is wise. Why? Because we as parents sometimes treat other people with better grace than we do our own children. And God gives us that grace so that we give it away. 2 Corinthians 6.1, it says, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. So the Bible tells us. See, He wants us to do something with what He's given to us. Now, it may be difficult in the beginning because we're not used to the new life that He's given to us. Imagine Noah. When God flooded the earth and and God said, I'm going to start off brand new, Noah. God literally meant that. And now the flood comes, Noah is in the ark with his entire family. And the next thing you know, all he sees is water. Then after the flood slowly subsides, he starts to see the mountain peaks appearing. But then when the flood subsided and they landed on dry ground, the earth, as they knew it, was gone. It was no longer the same. It was completely different. See, Noah found God's grace, but he didn't just keep it for himself. He also spread it to his entire family. Noah could have taken it from God and said, Okay, God, I receive your grace. What are you saying? I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to renew the earth. I'm going to go brand new. But you found favor in my eyes. Okay, so I'm going to make a little one-man rowboat just for me. God says, No, you're taking your whole family. You've got to repopulate the earth. No, no, you don't know them, God. They're evil people. No need. And my in-laws? God forbid. But Noah found God's favor, spread it out to the rest of his family, and this may be a word for many of us this morning, including his in-laws. I'm so glad I have a wonderful mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. You see, God gives us grace not just for us. 
but He gives it so that we can give it out to others. Don't just live with God's grace and think, well, that's it. Okay, God, I got your grace. And that's it. But when God renewed the world with Noah, it's the very same thing He does with us with His grace. So now we live a brand new life according to the grace of God. Your last point, you can write this in, to let God's grace renew the way I live. That His grace should do something different in me. That I'm going to live differently. I'm no longer the same person. The world that I knew before, my old life, has been flooded by the blood of Jesus and it's gone, washed clean. My chains are broken. My old life is gone. Behold, all things are new. Renew the way we live. That's what God's grace does. We used to believe that because God's grace is so amazing and His love is so amazing that, well, we could just do whatever we want because God will forgive me. And although that's true, we go nowhere with that kind of thought process. We become not everything God wants us to be. And God is saying, no, I give you grace so that you can become who I created you to be because I see your potential. But I must live in a new way. As Romans 6, 1 through 4 tells us, he says, well, well then, this is Paul speaking, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you not, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so now we also may live new lives. That's what the Bible is telling us. We're, we're dead to our old lives. He says, live for that brand new life. The whole idea behind salvation is that we're saved from sin, not to continue in it. That's the whole idea behind salvation. We're saved from it, not to continue in it. It's like if someone saved you from drowning, you don't get on shore, get your breath and say, oh, I'm going to go back out and drown. You don't do that. They saved you for a reason. And God does the very same thing. Even in our flaws, even in our mistakes, God can show His power. Remember Paul the Apostle, he was saying, Can this thorn be taken away from me? This thorn in my side? And God's response to him, because he was being troubled with so many things, God says this in his response, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Then he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. You see, God gives us this grace so that His power may be seen through us, so that we live new lives, a brand new way of living. See, God, God will show His power through me when I, in humility, bow down before Him. And He wants to. He wants to move in and through me. That's God's grace for us. He wants us to give it away so that we live new lives. Famous preacher Billy Graham was caught for speeding in a small southern town 
And as he got pulled over, the police officer said, Okay, you're speeding, and so here's your ticket. And, and he said, Do you understand you're speeding? And he said, Yeah, I'm guilty. He said, Okay, but you must appear in court. Because it's the law. He said, Okay. Well, Billy Graham shows up in court, and, and the judge says, Okay, um, you know, you were speeding. How do you plead? And Billy Graham said, Guilty, Your Honor, guilty. And he said, Okay, by law, you are to pay a fine. And he noticed that it was Billy Graham. And so the judge said, you know what? The law is the law. You pleaded guilty. And so the law must be paid for. The fine must be paid for. And he said, you're guilty. Billy Graham said, yes. The judge pulls out of his pocket a $10 bill. And he said, this is your fine. Because for every mile you went over the speed limit, it's a dollar. So it's a $10 fine. He took the money, attached it to Billy Graham's ticket. And he told Billy Graham, your fine is paid in full. And then he took Billy Graham out for a nice steak dinner. <laughs> Billy Graham is telling this story and he says, that folks is God's grace on a repentant sinner. <laughs> Which is true. That's God's grace for us because at the cross, God said to all of us, paid in full. See, many of us understand God's grace. Some of us don't understand. 2 Corinthians tells us, chapter 1, verse 12, that we can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have dep depended on God's grace, not on our own wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially toward God, especially towards you. See, God, as the most compassionate, loving judge, doesn't judge us for guilt. He reaches out His hand for forgiveness and grace. But it's not going to be with our wisdom that we figure this stuff out. It's God's grace. Some of you have accepted His grace. Some of you are still searching for His grace, still trying to find God. My friend Tim Kepler, which he's here with us this morning, he, he has a wonderful testimony about God's grace. And some of you, you're still finding your fit in, in, in your belief in God. And I pray this morning that you have found God's grace in Jesus Christ. And the hope would be that as God reaches out His hand, all you have to do is just take a hold of it and walk in close relationship with God. You know, I looked at the... Many of us have memorized the first scripture in the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I know it, but I never knew what the last scripture was in Revelation 22, verse 21. And it is this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And so that's our prayer. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, this morning, as we understand about your amazing grace, there are some people that they've never experienced it yet because they have not yet given their lives to Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, right now, I pray for anyone here this morning that has never said yes to Jesus Christ. That as I say this prayer, they will say it alongside of me, but mean it with all their heart. 
And if you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ, uh, as I say this prayer, you say it, mean it with all your heart, and God will hear you. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And make me brand new. Help me to become the person that you created me to be. And so I give you my heart. I give you my life in exchange for yours. Thank you for your amazing grace. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you just said that prayer, I want to pray alongside of you and and pray God's blessing on you. I just want to know, could you just lift a hand real quick and just hold it up for a little while that you said yes to Jesus Christ for the very first time. And you said yes. You can hold your hands up. Good. Good. Right here. Right here. In the back. Good. God sees your hands. He sees your heart. He sees your decision. Good. God sees your hands. Right here. Good. There in the back. You can put your hands down. And Lord, you know the hearts. The best decision that they ever made in their life was just now. And so, Lord, we pray that as they begin your walk, their walk with you, that they will continuously walk side by side with you, continuously understanding your amazing grace. Lord, for many of us as Christians, I included, myself included, that there are times where I don't give grace to others and I forget that I'm given grace so that I can impart grace to others. So help us to do that, Lord, as people who believe in you and people who follow you, that we would impart grace to those who hear. And so we thank you and we praise you for being a God with this amazing grace. In your name we pray. We all said, Amen.